Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy. I am the confidence, communication, and love coach for women over 40. And every Tuesday, I interview top experts and cutting-edge authors who teach you how to attract and sustain healthy relationships. Today, I am excited to speak with psychotherapist and relationship coach Lillian Ben-Ruby about how loving yourself leads to lasting relationships. Great topic. Can't wait to talk to Lillian. I actually know Lillian through her sister, Iris, and Iris has had me on several of her online summits, and she is a wonderful host and has had really remarkable summits. So I've heard Lillian on the summits, and I'm really excited to have her here today. So I just wanted to say that... um, I my what I take a strong stand for is that women value themselves and actually everybody value themselves but when we when we value ourselves more we attract in the love we deserve and this is the second year that I'm hosting the Woman of Value live retreat it is coming up in 3 days on Friday this week November 3rd 2017 in Stamford Connecticut and if you're listening to this show this week in real time, I wanted to announce that I am giving away two tickets for pay what you can. Um, the regular cost of the retreat is 897 And I know that many people are having trouble paying that, especially women who are divorced who are really trying to um, rebuild after a divorce or a loss. So I've decided to open up two seats to women who send me a short essay that tells me why you want to come to this retreat. And let me just say that this this Woman of Value Live Retreat is going to help you to value yourself more, to really understand your core values, to let go of past pain, to learn how to self-soothe, what to do to help you with frustration, um, you know, overwhelm, all of those things that help you to become a better human. And um, that is all on day one. And day two, we're going to be talking all about men. So it's going to be how to understand men, how to talk to men so men will listen. And listen so men will understand and uh, or talk to you. And in the afternoon, I have a man panel coming, and they're going to be doing mock dates with my women at the group. So it's going to be awesome. And day three is putting it all together and creating a plan because I don't want anyone to walk away from the retreat and not continue this work because this is just the beginning. So if you're interested in coming and you cannot afford to come, go to... um, Sandy at lastfirstdate.com and write to me. Tell me why I should pick you. The offer expires tonight, October 31st, and uh, so you got to hurry up and do this if you want to have one of those tickets. If you want a regular ticket, the offer to uh, join the retreat ends tomorrow, November 1st, and um, you can go to lastfirstdate.com forward slash retreat to learn more, and to get a seat. Um, We only have a few left. 
So um, I'm going to share my weekly tip on how to be a woman of value. And this week's tip is tip number 17. And is, it is, if you want something, ask for it. Now that may seem pretty obvious to most people, but um, most of us don't ask for what we want. We're afraid to ask for what we want, whether it's a job promotion, a date, um, getting an interview with somebody really cool on my show. Um, All of these things require courage, and when you get out of your comfort zone and ask for what you want, you're going to have a much better chance of receiving it. So don't forget to ask for it. And before I bring Lillian on and say one more thing, I always give a shout-out to my private Facebook group. So if you are a woman over 40, if you're single or in a new relationship and you would like some relationship support and you want to have a group support that is positive and um, really managed, many groups are not managed well and uh, the the conversations become angry and nasty and that doesn't happen in my group. So the name of the group is Your Last First Date. So just go to Facebook and you can ask to join and I will approve you. All right, so now I'm going to bring my guest in. Her name is Lillian Ben-Ruby and she is a stand that no man or woman live a life unseen, unheard, or alone. I love that. She teaches people to know their gifts, to love themselves, and own their power to create and manifest their dream life. She's a psychotherapist and coach for over 25 years. She has a compassionate, balanced approach that applies intuition, education, training, and experience to her work. She believes in the resourcefulness and resilience of every person and considers it a privilege to help people find the power within themselves to enjoy the benefits of wisdom and self-mastery on the other side. Love it. Welcome to the show, Lillian. Thank you so much, Sandy. That was lovely. Thank you so much. Ah, thank you. Um, well, you take a stand for so many of the things that I take a stand for, so <laughs> it's it's great to connect. Um, so let's let's start with um, well let, let me let me actually begin with you and okay. um, why is this so important to you to to really recognize the power within people and help them unleash it? Okay, sure. I mean, it's been my own personal journey and my own personal work. Um, you know, I decided that I was going to be a therapist of some sort when I was 13 years old. Um, started the journey of exploring myself in psychotherapy when I was 16. Um, and there, you know, I've had um, experiences of trauma in my background, you know, in my childhood, which I started to recognize at a young age was an issue, you know, in relationships. Um, and I spent a lot of time living in my head, you know, very introverted. Um, mm. And I guess in combination with the trauma, I, you know, pulled away from the world and lived in my own head quite a bit. And I think I recognized that I really wanted to have, you know, closer, more trusting relationships with people in the world um, and decided that, that I would embark on this journey and that I would help everybody else. Mm. I love that. Well, you Thank were you. quite insightful as a child to recognize that you were doing these things and that you wanted mm-hmm. to change it and you actually took action, which a lot of people don't, even if they do mm-hmm. recognize. Mm-hmm. So, I have yeah, to refer I, to I as get... an old soul and 
Uh, sorry, mm. I was just going to say, you know, I've been referred to as an old soul, but I think more importantly, I had older parents who were very wise. So mm. that certainly helped. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you know, and give yourself a lot of credit for doing what you did. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. So let's talk about self-love. How do you define that? Because this is a big buzzword that gets thrown around a lot and actually just read something that said self-love is not what we need for relationships. It's the opposite because what happens is we isolate ourselves often um, when we become so introspective, we think we can mm. exist without another. So mm. I'd love to hear your your take on sure. that. Sure. Sure, and I think that that, you know, that could be a problem, but I don't know that necessarily I would define self-love in that particular way. Um, Mm -hmm. So what I say to people is that when we talk about love or we talk about, you know, loving our partner or our beloved grandmother or child, just, you know, that special person in our hearts, we instantly have images, thoughts, feelings, you know, our bodies might soften, we might speak slower, calmly or gently when we're talking about them or to them. Our eyes open up wide to take in the images. Um, you know, our ears are lulled by the sounds of that person. We might even smell that person, right? And we just mm-hmm. know intrinsically what that is, what love is, right? What loving another person is, what that gentle kindness is all about. But when it comes to self-love, you know, for some of us who have practiced it or had it modeled for us over time, we may actually have that kind of response and knowing when dealing with ourselves. But it's still rather new, right? Um, Historically and evolutionarily, you know, we caring for ourselves the way that we would care for a loved one is still a very new practice. Um, So much so that, you know, when I use the word self-love, let's say, in my own practice with my clients, um, I'll instantly notice people stop and just sort of take stock. You know, they're just sort of assessing and scanning. They're trying to diagnose themselves in relationship to this practice, right? And in, in most cases people will instantly respond that it's a missing in their lives. Uh So, you know, loving yourself is no different than loving anybody else. It really is about getting to know yourself through the lenses of gentle kindness, compassion, and loving, nurturing ways, which is how we are with other people that we love, right? Uh So what I mean by this is that we all have grown up um, creating a sense of self, through the lenses of others, especially when in our early years when we're really young and we're very dependent on our adults, giving us that kind of feedback to let us know how we're doing in the world, right? Uh-huh. And we actually solidify and, and close the chapter in some senses on who we are at a very young age. And so all of this, the sense of self, is really created through interpretation. It's through the interpretation, perhaps, you know, of the kind of feedback that we're getting from the world. And it's also dependent on the interpretation of those caregivers or or of those adults on how we're doing in the world, right? Uh And so our sense of self is not created based on facts, and it's not created on our own inner truth, necessarily, not when we're really young because we don't have that sort of inner compass. So if that is the case, you know, in the interpretations that we've been getting or the interpretations that we've been making don't fall within the lenses of gentle kindness, of compassion, or of love, then we now get a chance to reinterpret ourselves, right? And so Uh self-love 
these days, the way that I see it, is really a journey into ourselves to really take stock of how we speak to ourselves, what we say about ourselves to others, how we put ourselves out there, what our beliefs are about ourselves, et cetera, and so on and so forth, and really just kind of unweaving it, you know, the um, the threads, you know, some of those being other people's interpretations and reactions to us, some of those threads being our interpretations of people's reactions to us, and really taking a look at it a factually and really, you know, accessing our intuitive inner truth and really reframing that, that, um, that sense of self, you know, throughout hmm. our, our lives growing up. So, I mean, if I can go on, I don't know if you have any other questions at yeah. this point. Yeah, no, this is, oh. this is really important. So we, we form these beliefs as children and we keep yep. adding to it as we grow. And often we have beliefs that are not serving us and that are not compassionate and kind, if yeah. that's what you're saying. And so today, as an adult, we get a chance to unweave some of the threads mm-hmm. from the past and and to recreate what what we what will serve us better. Absolutely, absolutely. And just in alignment with what you were, um, I guess, was it your your words for the day or your words for the week? You know, ask for what mm-hmm. it is that you want, right? Perhaps mm-hmm. as children, when we did ask for what we wanted, it we may not have asked it in the most polite <laughs> or gentle ways. You know, we might have been demanding or we might have thrown something against the wall because we didn't get what we wanted. You know, if we had reactions that could definitely be interpreted as harsh or as critical by our caregivers or, you know, Sometimes what happens is, let's say, a caregiver walks away from us because they're trying to manage their own sort of emotional responses to it. Now we're kind of left to our own devices to interpret what that's all about, right? Mm-hmm. And in the world of being very young and very dependent, you know, and um, our lives depend on these people, we will turn, we will more than likely be, have that interpretation um, become something in the space of being safe and secure. So we may interpret that person walking away as, oh, my God, I'm all alone or I could be abandoned. I mean, we don't consciously think these things, which is why it's so strong. But, you know, I could be abandoned. I could be not loved. I'm not deserving. And eventually what we do is we form this belief that when I speak up, when I speak my inner truth or when I use my voice or when I ask for something, there is this huge threat right? And it Uh becomes a body experience, not just, I mean, it's not a conscious experience because, you know, between the ages of zero and eight, we certainly don't have that kind of consciousness, but it becomes this body experience. So, you know, when, let's say, the thought of expressing our voice comes up, we just shut down, you know, everything tightens, everything closes up, and we can't seem to get the words out of our mouth, right? And so, Uh you know, Asking for what we want is definitely a way of valuing us and also giving messages to the other world that we are of value, right? Mm-hmm. And if we don't, you know, our own um, selves are constantly getting that repeated message that we are, we don't have value or that we're not important or, it's, you know, we're not deserving, but we're also giving the world those messages as well. Like we don't figure we're not important enough, you know, relevant enough, et cetera, et cetera, Right. Mhm. 
Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, you know, I have a I have a client who I was interviewing yesterday because I wanted to do like a video testimonial with her, and one of the things we worked on was was this area, which is true for most of my clients, and she said you know, she was a reformed people pleaser. That was that was a big part of of That's her cute. growth. And mm-hmm. when we people please, we give up our value as well. We were adapting mm-hmm. to somebody else's needs instead of our own. And she said she the like the accountability and having private coaching also put her as a priority in her own life, which she had not done before. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think we we often do that. We make everybody else important and we don't think that we deserve to be at the top of that list and mm-hmm. as as a mom I did that very often and I see now I have a daughter who's who's married with children and I often will tell her you need to take care of yourself and she'll say mom I'm taking care of myself but you know as, as an outsider <laughs> you see like your mm-hmm. sleep is important you forgot to eat today you know you, you didn't buy mm-hmm. yourself anything new in a long time if you're depleted, you can't take care of anybody else, and mm-hmm. you can't do it well without resentment and um, or exhaustion. So all of these things are so critical in redeveloping our self-worth and, and our self-love so that we can love others in a more full way. Absolutely, absolutely. And allow others to love us in a very full way. Mm-hmm. Right. I think yeah, this voice so thing, though, is it's really, really critical. And I, I, I've seen so many people shut down around this and even around kindness, because if we have been kind in a way that didn't serve us well, um, for example, mm-hmm. um, and that often happens where you give you give and give to people who don't give back. And then you just yes. often will come with, to the conclusion that, well, I'm not going to be kind anymore. I, I'm just going to shut down. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to, you know. And so doing this process that you're talking about, like really going back and reframing and showing yourself, like, okay, I was kind to the wrong people. I didn't, and maybe I I didn't know how to vet people properly or I was kind yes. and was expecting something in return. Um, so, yeah, so how can people unlearn or relearn? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Can, yeah. Can you give us some of this the practice? Yeah, absolutely. So it really all depends on what stage you are, you know, in the practice. But I'll start with, mm-hmm. you know, this being somewhat new. Um, usually, I have a worksheet that I will give clients that have questions. That, um, well, I'll give you some examples of the questions. So one question might be, you know, what do we say about someone or a pet? You know, if we don't have anyone in our lives that we can mm-hmm. relate to in this way, but what do we say about someone or a pet that we love or care for? So an example might be, you know, they're really funny. They make me laugh. You know, they're very warm and empathic. Um, you know, they're very vital or bubbly or whatever that kind of thing is. And so what we get to do with these questions, and I'll I'll give you a couple more, is really to Uh look at how do we talk about others and how do we talk about ourselves, right? Uh So another question is, you know, what do we say to this person that we love or care for? For example, you're very nice, you're talented, you're patient, you're smart. What do we say about or what do we say to ourselves? Right. When we look at ourselves in the mirror first thing in the morning or at the end of the day or, you know, what do we say to ourselves when we've made a mistake or, you know, we didn't make it somewhere on time. We weren't our word or something like that. Um, 
you know, um, another question might be if, you know, the person that you, you're thinking about, if, and, and I ask people to really just choose somebody, you know, who they absolutely mm-hmm. adore and love. Um, but if they're going through a rough time or they're upset about something that happened or, or just, you know, even if they're just tired or stressed, what are some of the things that we say to them or do for them to help them feel better? And so what this gets at is um, really um, accessing our ability to nurture and, as you were talking earlier, to self-soothe, to care for, right, because we all have that innate ability. To, we all have that, right? Mm-hmm. And it might just be that much easier to do it towards others to direct it outward than it is to direct it inward because of our beliefs about ourselves that, you know, we've, we've accumulated over time. So when we get access to our nurturing nature and what it is that we do for others, we can now have that, that, so the visual that I give people is really just, you know, kind of like how, um, you know, in movies, you know, when somebody passes away, sometimes, you know, they show their, their sort of semi see-through person move out of their body so this this is the part of us that's you know very it's a part of us that's very nurturing and loving and caring. Have that part actually turn around and look at us and treat us in the same way, right? And give mm. ourselves the very same thing, right? And then what we uh-huh. go what we go through a lot of the time is you know a certain amount of resistance, right? <laughs> so yep. it's not just as easy as answering these questions and then just doing it because there's going to be resistance, right? And so then what we look at is what is that resistance about? You know, what are you saying to yourself that's preventing you from being able to turn around and look at yourself in the same sort of loving ways and be, you know, and give in the same way? And so, you know, it's about working through some of that as well, you know, writing down, journaling what it is that I'm saying about myself, what it is that I believe about myself, that I cannot be this way with me, right? Uh-huh. So it's a process, right? And I and I do have a worksheet um, that that I you know several questions, probably about seven questions on the worksheet that just starts to get the juices flowing around getting some insight, some really good insight into how it is that we're we're dealing with ourselves. What kind of a relationship do we truly have with ourselves, right? Mm. And then working yeah, through the wonderful. resistance, and then putting things into practice. Yeah. And and I like that you brought up that people do get stuck. Like it's not just, oh, if I can do this and I'll go through these questions and now I'm going to be perfect at this and I'll mm-hmm. always know what to say to myself in a time of distress. Um, these tools take time to really ingrain in, in our brains and to form mm-hmm. new neural pathways because it's taken a long time for us to get to this place of self-beat up and I'm not mm-hmm. worthy and all the limiting beliefs that we have. So in your in your practice and in your experience, how how long does it take for people to really start changing the script in their head? Mm-hmm. So it really depends on the commitment level. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and by that I mean, you know, just, you know, how often they come, you know, for sessions or, you know, sometimes I, I will do sessions online as well. So, you know, it really all depends on how often we, we have those, those meetings to um, review and, and then take, you know, things further, as well as how much practice they put into place throughout the week. But, you know, I've certainly had, um, you know, people feel, um, starting to feel better within, you know, two to three months. And that, those are mm-hmm. weekly sessions, 
right? Um, and then certainly I've had people leave the practice within six months and above. It really all depends. And, you know, in some situations, really, I mean, if there has been some serious trauma in the background and there's, you know, some serious resistance to, you know, opening up and trusting because of one's experience, it is going to take longer, right? Mm-hmm. Um because it takes time to develop that trust. But nonetheless, I think that, you know, anywhere between, I would say, three months starting to feel better um, to maybe six months sort of feeling like, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm good now. I don't need to do any more work or I don't want to do any more work. I want to take a break and come back to this. Sometimes people will go for an entire year just because it's so darn good. Um, <laughs> and once they're starting to feel better about themselves, they just kind of want to take it to the next level, getting um, – on top of the water, but it's about, okay, so now, you know, moving ahead kind of thing. Um, so it's very individualized, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it can happen rather quickly if if, um, if the commitment's there. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I personally know somebody who had severe, severe trauma as a child, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she's been through so many different types of therapies and um even shamanic healing, I mean, so many different types of, from, you know, regular Western type of healing to Eastern healing to, to whatever. And and she's still, she's come a long way, but there still is such, uh, it's so difficult when you grow up without safety and trust mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. family of origin. Um, so, you know, I guess for some people, it just takes a lot longer and it's, it's, but, you know, what I love also is that you talk about the embodiment of these things, and it's subconscious, mm-hmm. it's not conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I find there's often a disconnect between intellectually knowing something and actually being able to embody it. Um, so how do you get people to go from from that, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like I know all this. Um, this is what yeah. people say to me all the time. <laughs> I know it all, but I just yeah. can't change. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, it, okay, all right, yeah, sometimes it's really just about taking them into similar circumstances or imagined, you know, circumstances or situations, because the way that um, I approach working with people is that we all are geared towards health. We're always looking to be healthier, improve our circumstances, so on and so forth. We are rarely, that's okay with the way things are, right? Um that is to say that, you know, if there's something that's missing or something not working as well as you'd like it to, we're always looking for something more, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if if we're, you know, sad, you know, we want to be able to move out of that, right? If we are in a bad relationship, we want to get help or we want to read or whatever it is to get out of that. We're always moving towards health. Unconsciously, like we just, we don't have that. I mean, as long as we're on this planet, we're always going to be looking towards health. We have the capacity, um, we have the wiring for health. We recognize, we can smell it, we can taste it, even if we've never had it, if that makes sense. Um, Because we have had it at some point, you know, whether it was in utero or when it was, you know, in the very beginning of our, you know, um, life outside of the womb, whatever it might be. We know what feels good and we know what feels bad, right? And... Uh um, the way that we access that, and, and there's, um, you know, terminology, and that is, that, you know, do we contract? So we really need to be able to go into our bodies. And, of course, again, you know, if there's any trauma that involves the body, then, you know, there's, there's a bit of work to do to get to that. But when we're able to um, 
into it. So in other words, get inward into our bodies. We can look at, you know, some of the things that we maybe have, have been confronted with or have been offered out there in the world. And we can notice when our body contracts, like we, you know, our shoulders might rise to our ears, you know, our, our arms might go over our chest, our hearts might tighten, whatever it might be. There's, there's a contraction, right? And um, the opposite of that would be that we're relaxed, you know, that our chest is kind of jutting out and we're compelled forward towards whatever it is that's presenting itself in front of us. So, you know, we intuitively, intrinsically know what feels good and what feels bad. Right. And when we get really in tune with that and trust that, so it's really about going to circumstances and situations in your life where you have been able to use that barometer, right, and that compass Mm -hmm. that has, in fact, resulted in good or bad, right? So it's about going into your body, you know, into circumstances that you have had or, you know, creating circumstances and noticing what your body does in relationship to that. That really becomes Uh your wisdom and your guidance, right? And, you know, when I was talking in the beginning about, you know, if we have had relationships that were very loving, um, you know, we, we can kind of notice that, you know, our body softens and our voice softens and we talk slower. And so it's really about getting really in tune with what our body does in relationship to something that feels good and what it does in relationship to something that doesn't feel good. Hmm. That makes sense. So basically to bring it back full circle is sure. um, that we then can, um, you know, when you have this level of self-love that you are able mm-hmm. then to um, to care for others in this way too. That So if you could just speak to that for, for the last moment. Um, sure. Can you just clarify? I'm sorry, I didn't quite understand. Yeah. Do you want me to so, connect that um, to caring for having, others? Having done this, this self-love work, um, mm-hmm. how does that translate to loving others? Relationships? Having okay. other people, yes. Okay, all right. Well, it, it, again, it just goes back to our value. So, you know, when we are talking to ourselves, when we can look in the mirror, um, well, let me just give you this example. When I was doing, you know, some work with a coach years back, she was doing um, the emotional freedom technique with me. And it was the very first time I'd been exposed to it, never heard of it before, and just thought, okay, you know what, I'll just give it a try. So, you know, while we were doing it, I was going through, um, I was separating, actually, or I was thinking about separating. And so it was a really tough time for me. And, you know, one of the things that she was doing, and I don't know if people know what EFT is, but it's working with the body while you're, you're saying things. One of the things that she had asked me to say was, even though, and I can't remember that content, but even though I dot, 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 I still fully accept love and so on and so forth myself. And one of the things that mm-hmm. I, I couldn't say it, right? I could say the beginning part, but mm-hmm. I couldn't say that. And it just shocked me. You know, it was like, oh, my God, I can't say this about myself, right? Mm-hmm. So if I don't have that for myself, I can't possibly fully have it for somebody else. So, you know, the thing is, is that in order for me, um, for others to fully, for me to fully accept what people have to offer me, I need to be able to fully accept that I am deserving of all of that. So when I go into that relationship, if I'm shut down in any way to what that person has to offer, I'm also shut down to what I can offer that person. Does that make sense? 
Uh We're contracted a little bit. We're not fully open. Our hearts aren't fully open, fully engaged. You know, we're having, you know, particular reactions to one another instead of responses to one another. If I don't fully love myself or am not able to practice this, then I don't have this sort of treasure bag of resources that I can pull from to be able to deal with this other human being in my life who might need me in this moment, right? Because I don't have the resource or today about it. It's kind of like, you know, if, if I've been hungry for a long time and I've got a little bit of food and somebody's asking me for, you know, a nibble of my bun because they haven't eaten for a while and I give it to them and they take a couple of nibbles and I quickly pull it back. It's because I don't have the resources. I don't have this, you know, treasure bag that is full of self-love, of love in general, in order to be able to give to that person, right? Mm -hmm. And so in relationships, you know, if we're giving a little bit, but then pulling it back because we don't have our reserves full, right, then it makes it Mm -hmm. difficult. Um, We become reactionary, right, reactive instead of Mm -hmm. responsive. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. <laughs> That's okay. one of my woman of value tips is don't be reactive, be proactive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that we, yes, it makes perfect sense that we need okay. to really fill ourselves up to have the Absolutely. capacity to to love. Um, and I, I'm doing I it actually in relationship. remember to, Sorry, to I was just in doing relationship. it in relationship. You can do it while you're in relationship. You don't have to do it outside of a relationship, and you're still doing it in relationship anyway. So it's not about being alone and loving yourself so mm-hmm. much that you don't need anybody. <laughs> it's actually about, yeah. you know, yeah, okay. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good clarification too because uh, so many people think you have to have all this done before you can even date. <laughs> you just like you have Mm-mm. to be totally cooked. And mm-hmm. it's actually we learn to love even deeper when we're with a partner. So it actually we started out talking about self-love and the, the 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 article that I had read about how many people interpret self-love as just being so independent that you're just all yeah. about yourself. And it's really not about that, but it's about having no. the foundation to be able to have the capacity to love even deeper and more Absolutely. greatly without running away and contracting and being fearful. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so beautiful um, and mm-hmm. so important. Thank you, okay. Lillian. And, yeah, let, us, let, let our audience know um, how they can find you. Sure. Um, so my website is long, <laughs> but it's lbenrubypsychotherapy.com. So I don't okay. know. Do you want me to spell it out? It's L B E N. Yeah, you can. Okay. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. L B E N R U B I, and then the word psychotherapy.com, and uh, I have a calendar on that site. I also have. You can email me um, any questions that you may have. Um, you can take a look and see. I have some um, free consultation times as well. So if you did want to talk about, you know, how I could help you, um, definitely um, set up a time or give me an email and and I'll definitely respond. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. This is uh, such a beautiful topic, and I know that you have inspired our audience to love themselves more so they are capable of greater love. And thank you thank for you. asking such great questions, yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're welcome. Um, okay. And thank you all for listening today, and I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye.